Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Searching for a parenting podcast you'll actually want to listen to? One that covers everything from how to deal with picky eating, how to grieve a pregnancy loss, and how to not hate your partner after having kids? Well, your new favorite podcast, After Bedtime with Big Little Feelings, is here. Hosted by two BFFs, this is a no-shame parenting podcast. Listen to and follow After Bedtime with Big Little Feelings on the free Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts. Yes, indeed. Good morning. I am joined from the University of Minnesota by Julie Weisenhorn. Good morning, Julie. Hey, good morning, Denny. Happy snowfall. Yeah, I guess. Did you guys? <laughs> uh, did you guys get a few uh, inches? Maybe like uh, yeah, maybe some, uh, close to else. a foot. I don't think we got a Not foot. Quite. I, I, I'm looking out the windows here, and uh, I hear a snowblower going out there. But um, I well, think you'll it, hear many of those. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think we probably got you know eight inches or so. Okay. Out here. I haven't really looked. I haven't been outside yet. <laughs> well, I was uh, happy, well, certainly to get the snow cover. And uh, I'm looking at yeah. the forecast, and I did a little uh, dormant seating. And I think I mentioned this earlier last week's show. I turned my uh, faucet, outside faucet, back on so I could water my boxwoods. Okay. And while we, you know, the ground really wasn't frozen sure. yet. Sure, So I'm glad of that. But the snow cover really is a blessing, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Snow has a huge insulating uh, ability for us. It, it's as good as wood chips or straw. Um, I was doing a little bit of research before the show on the insulating R value of snow. It's an R value of one. And so 12 inches of snow, 10 to 12 inches is about the equivalent of like six inches of fiberglass mm. uh, insulation, if you want to relate it that way. Uh, but it also has the R value of... Um, Wood chips and straw is the same as snow. It's about one, one and a half or so. But yeah, so 10, 12 inches, is, that's a nice insulating cover. And it traps that air in the molecules of the snow. And so it helps to hold it in and insulates the soil, insulates uh, the plant roots, which uh, we always appreciate that. So Yeah, no, that's a good deal. I, And again, looking at the forecast, and we heard Paul Douglas say, too, that there's they're still... It's in the forecast, a possibility not only of having 36 degrees tomorrow and the next day, but maybe near 50 on Wednesday. Yeah. And I thought, well, if this stuff melts, I can get in more dormant seating before <laughs> before the end of the year, possibly. Yeah, we'll, wait, we'll wait and see. If you have any kind of a lawn or garden question, uh, call in or text in to Julie at 651-461-9226. And I'm going to make mention, too, Julie, uh, we're, we're, we've got kind of a Christmas gift, don't we? Uh, for the yeah, 10 o'clock, uh, kind of an added, added bonus. We're going to do another Lana Garden Show, another Smart <laughs> Garden Show today in the 10 o'clock hour. And as Julie knows and our listeners know who are regular listeners of the show, we tend to get really busy during uh, this particular right. hour. So have a couple of chances of getting those Lana Garden questions ready this hour and again in the 10 o'clock hour 
this morning. So uh, stay with us. Again, if you have a lawn or garden question, 651-461-9226. All right, let's see. Uh, How do, here's one that just came in. How do I rejuvenate my older William Baffin rose? Just a few thinner canes there now, old thick stumps in the middle. Suckers are coming up a ways away. So how do they rejuvenate that rose? Well, that's a that's a great rose, William Baffin. It's a tried and true, uh, what we call a climbing rose, though roses truly don't climb. They don't have tendrils. Uh, they don't wrap around things. You usually have to tie them up. If you didn't, they'd just flop down on the ground, and they'd be almost like a ground cover. But William Baffin is a, is a pretty sturdy rose. I think uh, probably uh, judicious pruning, so uh, pruning it, which sounds like the uh, gardener already does that, but also maybe doing some rose fertilization. There's special fertilizers that are for roses. Um, might want to work a little bit of compost into the soil. The soil might need a little bit of rejuvenation as well. So basically working down at the roots of the plant, I think, um, and allowing some of those suckers to come up and uh, and maybe form some new canes as well. So uh, those are a couple of ideas. And also, I mean, this year, this was a dry, hot year, so it was tough on plants. So anything we can do in the spring to enhance the growing conditions for our plants, mulch the base of the plant to keep those roots cool over the hot summers, all of those things will help to, uh, I think, probably rejuvenate plants and get them through into the next growing season. You and I talk about this once in a while. Of course, there's snow cover now, but as far as cleaning up uh, hostas that have had their uh, their way this yeah. uh, this growing season <laughs> is is I I used to uh, after the season would take the lawnmower with the bag and clean those up. I did okay. not do that this year. I just raked. Is there any particular positive or negative to uh, getting rid of those old leaves? I think it's uh, that cleanup in the fall. Um especially with hostas, is kind of up to the gardener because the, the hosta leaves, as they die down, they actually act as a protective cover for the, the crown of the plant. Mm. But hostas are tough. I mean, they really are. And so it's kind of up to the gardener how much time they have. I do actually, this year I actually cut back some of my hostas because they had really died out from the heat. And I had the time to do it. We had such a long fall. So I had the time to go in there and, and nip out some of the dead uh dead leaves around the base. But um, I probably, I don't know if I would mow it. It would depend on the mass of hosta that you have. Uh, just because the mower might nick some of the crowns of the plants. Um, raking was fine. Raking uh, can do that too. Uh, so I think it's uh, it's kind of a choice that you mm-hmm. have. You could raise your mower high enough so it wouldn't harm the plants. Um, I'm more of a pruner person, so mm-hmm. I would take my pruner and just snip off the dead stuff. But I've often, I, I leave a lot of hosta through the winter and clean it up in the spring, too. That's actually what happened this uh, this uh, this season, this year, was uh, Sandy uh, clipped. Clean it up in the spring, too. That's actually what happened this uh, this uh, this season, this year, was uh, Sandy uh, clipped. She clipped and I raked, so there was no oh, damage to the crown. Go. So that's perfect. that's a good point. I never really that's thought perfect. about that. All right, if you have a lawn and garden question, here it is. Here's the number. It's phone number and text number all wrapped into one. 651-461-9226. 651-461-9226. Uh, this texter says this, uh, Julie, how long 
does it take for the <clears throat> excuse me poinsettia leaves to turn red? I've covered them about 18 hours a day. Thanks so much, and happy holiday. That's a nice, nice uh, wish, and happy holiday to you also. So poinsettias, I believe that it is. It takes uh, numerous weeks for those bracts, that's what we would call the petals, to turn uh, the colors. I'm just looking actually at our poinsettia page here and uh, trying to see what we can do about the reblooming. So I, I'm going to take a look here. It's not an easy task to do it. So I, I think the important thing is when you when you look at all of those poinsettias that are in a greenhouse and they're all perfectly red or pink or white or striped, you have to admire the skills of the greenhouse to actually get that to happen. It's, it's, uh, it has to do with about 18 hours of darkness and, uh, and then that would happen probably for, um, oh, let's see, I'm just thinking about this. It's eight, it's 18 to six, 16 to 18 hours of uninterrupted darkness and then eight hours of bright light every day. But I'm not sure. I think it actually happens uh, probably from about September, middle of September to about Thanksgiving. So what is that? One, you know, two, six, probably about um, uh, roughly about eight to eight to ten weeks. And that should probably um, at least start to turn those bracts somewhat uh, colorful. So right. that's a tough thing to do. I know some people uh, have called in or texted in before, and they've been able to do it. But um, I have—I forgot my poinsettia in the closet. I tried doing it and forgot about it, and it died. So, <laughs> uh, it happens. Oops. If it happens to you, it can happen to anybody. All right, Julie, hang on. Uh, let's invite our listeners to join in. If you have any kind of a lawn or garden question, I don't know how many lawn questions we'll get with this. No, maybe we will. Could be surprising. Uh, call in or text in either one, 651-461-9226. And, Julie, when we come back, let's talk about that website you were looking at and yeah, uh, tell the folks who are not aware of it. Great website. This is a Smart Garden Show. Stay with us here on News Talk 830. This is WCCO. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. We are around every Saturday here on CCO Radio in the 8 o'clock hour. This morning, Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota helping you out with your lawn and garden questions. So call us or text us. Again, it's the same number, uh, 651-461-9226 for either your phone call or your text question for uh, Julie. Uh, you mentioned uh, the the website, the U of M website, and for those of us, uh, those uh, new listeners of ours, uh, who may not be aware of it, it's it's a tremendous. You guys put so much work into that, but in the end, the end result is a whole lot of information. Talk about that. Well, our goal with our website is, you know, we are not everything to everyone. We are not. We don't claim to be the greatest tropical plant people, or you know, we don't we don't put things in like feng shui design or anything. But what we try to do is give good basic information for Minnesota gardeners on diseases, on insects, on trees and shrubs, on plant selection, uh, some lawn care, um, vegetables and fruits, and we try to get as much as we can, and we try to choose topics that are most common. 
uh, to uh, Minnesota landscapes, but also good advice that's research-based for uh, Minnesota gardeners. So um, it's, of course, free to everybody. Uh, we, uh, we work a lot on getting information based on a lot of questions that we get, for example, from this show. Uh, I've written a lot of the, the information on houseplants because of the questions people ask. Um, tree care as well. We just updated a really great page and you know, Denny, we recommend certified arborists often oh, yes. on this show. Oh, yes. And so I worked with a couple of our forest forest resources uh, faculty on updating our How to Hire a Tree Care Professional webpage. So this is something that explains about the certification of tree care professionals, how to find them, uh, also kinds of questions that you might ask. So it's a kind of a refreshed page. And that's just one example of some of the information that we try to give out. We also have great recommendations for, say, strawberries and grapes and apples. And, of course, those are big breeding programs that we have here at the University of Minnesota. So lots of really good information. Lots of photos. That's another thing we try to also include. And we have a nice tool on there, a diagnostic tool called What's Wrong With My Plant. This is a uh, kind of a... Uh, if you're familiar with keys, uh, where you look at a picture, you you choose your plant, then you choose the issue that you're having, the part of the plant, then you choose what's going on, holes in the leaves or dusty mildew on your leaves, and then it gives you some options. And these are the most common things that we see. It's not everything, but it's the most common things that we see. So it's a really nice tool for at least giving you an idea of what might be going on with your plants at that point. So lots of different great information, links to the soil test lab, links to our plant disease clinic. Um, just a great website, and we work hard on it. Yeah, you guys really do. And another thing, too, although we won't be doing it today, is uh, you've got a great section about taking care of your lawn as far as fertilization yes. programs, things yes. like that, right? Yeah, and you can find this website at extension.umn.edu. It's called the Yard and Garden page. So if you've never visited it, if you're a new gardener especially, if you have a new home, uh, if you have a, gar a community garden plot, this is a really good place for beginners, for intermediate gardeners, and even for more advanced gardeners to find information. That's kind of who we welcome to the show, beginning yes. gardeners or maybe never gardener gardeners. Yeah, maybe people. I, I always want to reach out to the people who have a new house. It's their ah, first yes. house. They've, they, they don't really know what they have in their landscape and we uh, we like to be able to help those new gardeners really feel successful the first uh, first time out of the shoot. Yeah, absolutely. And if you have that kind of a question, any kind of a lawn or garden sure. question, now's your chance uh, to either call Julie or send uh, Julie a text. Same number, 651-461-9226. Julie will be with us the rest of this hour. And again, uh, after a home improvement show with Andy Lindis at 9 to 10, Julie's coming back after maybe a little breakfast. I'm not sure. <laughs> and then, or brunch. Uh, she'll be uh, answering your questions in the 10 o'clock hour this morning. So keep that in mind. Uh, Julie, here's a text that uh, just it's just a comment about cleaning up the hostas. This uh, texter uses a battery-powered hedge trimmer. Oh, yeah. Uh, quicker than uh, with a handheld uh, clippers. That's a good there idea. There you go. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. Weed whip. You know, that oh, might yeah. be another one, too. Though, you know, they're not very, that's not a very clean cut. No. The other thing you don't want to do is shred those, you know, those leaves too much. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, that, that would work. 
Listener, as you have found out, do <laughs> uh, we have very smart listeners here? So we do. Uh, yeah, call Good in idea. your question or uh, send Julie a text. I tell you what, let's do. Um, we have a bunch of text and uh, or an open Great. phone line too, if you want to call in your question this morning. But in the meantime, we'll take a break and we'll have a look at that forecast. Let's see if we'll get any melting going on uh, later on uh, today or tomorrow. You stay tuned, and we have another half hour this morning of this particular hour of our Lawn and Garden uh, Talk here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. If you have any kind of a Lawn or Garden question, now is your chance to ask that question to Julie Weisenhardt from the University of Minnesota, who's helping you out not only this hour, but in the 10 o'clock hour this morning as well. Here's the phone number. It's also a text number. We'll get to the phones in a second. But here's the number, 651-461-9226. All right, Julie, we have callers and we have texters. Let's uh, get to it, see if we can help out here first. Judith calling in from uh, Roseville this morning. Judith, you're on CCO with Julie. Good morning. I have a question um, about pampas grass. Uh, Somebody on our way up to the cabin has pampas grass growing, and it is so beautiful. But every time I've looked it up, it's in zone 9 and 10. What kind grows here? Okay, so that's a great question. So pampas grass, as you know, Judith, and and you've uh, looked online, is these big plumy flower heads. And it's cut and used in arrangements, and it does grow down south. The grass that you see growing in the ditches here is miscanthus, and it's uh, likely um, uh, miscanthus uh, sacrifolius uh, or sacrifloris, uh, which I believe is a, it's a more aggressive grass. It uh, moves quite readily through our ditches and in our naturalized areas. It's actually considered uh, to be somewhat invasive and um, and something that we are not really interested in promoting for people to grow. But there are other great ornamental grasses. There are There's another species of miscanthus called miscanthus sinensis, and there are cultivars that have been bred uh, with uh, of miscanthus. There's also other great um, uh, sorgastrum, which is a, a, a type of a, a shorter grass but has a nice flower head. There's certainly some of our cultivars of little blue stem. Uh, blue Heaven is one of my favorites. That's uh, Mary Meyer's release of uh, a number of years ago. Great plant. So uh, lots of great ornamental grasses, and one of the best ways to see them is to visit the ornamental grass collection at the Arboretum, and especially at the end of the season around August or so. Um, I believe that they're actually still standing out there. I haven't been out there recently uh, to look at the ornamental grass collection, but but uh, they have wonderful winter interest as well. So they're a terrific addition. But you do not want to be adding the the uh, invasive species of those grasses. So, and you're correct. Pampas pampas grass is a southern grown grass. Very good. Thank you, Judith. Jay is on the phone calling in uh, this morning from uh, Invergrove Heights, I do believe. Good morning, Jay. What's your question for Julie? Well, good morning, Denny and Julie. Wonderful show you've got. Thank I've you. got Thank a you. question. You bet. I've got a question about <laughs> um, putting up a uh, 
noise and, and visual barrier. Um, got a delightful lot that's a couple houses off of Highway 52. And um, I recently removed some Amur maples that provided that um, sure. that visual and sound barrier. And thinking about trying to put up um, something to replace those. And was wondering if you had an opinion on that. Well, interestingly, uh, hedges um, that block that are planted like your amber maples were, uh, or sometimes arborvitae are used for these. Uh, research that I understand from uh, my buddy Jim Culkins, who is the uh, research director at the Minnesota Nursery and Landscape Association, uh, research states that because we can't see the noise, the source of the noise, like the traffic, that actually is more of a sound barrier than the actual plants blocking the noise. So in other words, putting up a hedge won't block the noise as much as we don't pay attention to it because we can't see that source like the traffic. Um, what I, I like to recommend a couple things. If, if you're in a hurry to put something up, um, any kind of fencing plant combination is always great because, of course, the, plant, the fence immediately does the trick. Um, but then planting alongside that fence or doing a mixing of fences as well as plants is always advised. And I would always advise, too, that to mix plants, to not plant all the same plant. Um, I like to mix evergreens with uh, deciduous shrubs like, like red twig dogwood because now at this time of year you get that great red twig uh, against the dark green background. Uh, I like to suggest layering plants, so putting in maybe some evergreens uh, mixed in with some deciduous trees as well, and then also some of these shrubs, and then layering it right up to, you know, you've got if you've got the space for it, uh, to some perennials. So you get a really nice combination, plus you get that noise reduction. The visual is not there anymore, and, uh, and you get a nice array of, of different plantings. So rather than one monoculture, decide about maybe three different plants and kind of stagger those. And then if you really need to at some point, be sure to consider putting uh, some kind of fencing in there too. Okay. Jay, thank you for the call and the comments. Uh, that leaves the line open if you want to chat with Julie, 651-461-9226. You can also use that number for your text question. And here's one of those, Julie. I, I planted a uh, hydrangea tree this fall. It's about five feet tall. The trunk is two to three inches in diameter. Should I put a white plastic tube around the trunk? I have no deer issues. Maybe a rabbit or two visit once in a while. That comes from Jacob in Waconia. Well, I think uh, the, the white plastic tubes that we put around these uh, small trees or young trees uh, do a couple of things. One is that they protect it from animal browsing. But they also protect it from uh, from sun scald. Uh, on, on a nice warm winter day, we get the sunlight, uh, and that warms up the cells in the in the thin bark trees and shrubs like this one. And uh, and it can then, as the sun goes down, those cells freeze again, and they can split and rupture and crack that that plant. So I think the white guard is a good one, especially because this is a new plant. It's a smaller plant, a younger plant. The other thing about with rabbits, uh, rabbits will browse on, on hydrangeas. And so a, f a little bit of fencing around that, you know, put the tube on the bark to protect it from the, from the cracking, but then also put 
a, a little bit of fencing, about four feet tall or so, of hardware cloth. And tuck that cloth down into the soil if you can. It's still, uh, we're at about 34 degrees in our soil. So, so push it down into the soil if you can. And, and that will help keep small animals from feeding on the bark because they like that nice tender bark of those new trees. So it's kind of a double barrier, but it really helps that, that plant to go into the next growing season much healthier without that damage from the, from the animals. Okay. We had a, uh, a text message from a uh, listener who was checking out the website and has a question about the cost of the Master Gardener uh, course. Uh, what, what can you, how can you clarify that? Because I think you mentioned sure. to me there's a couple of different levels. There's two different options. So if you are uh, accepted into the Master Gardener program in your county, you have to apply to it. This is if you want to be a volunteer. So if you want to contribute your time and knowledge to helping others in your community, uh, that's the basis of the Master Gardener program. The cost for that is about $300. Um, there's also another option if you're not interested in being a volunteer, and that's perfectly great, you know, that's wonderful, but you want to increase your own horticulture knowledge, you can take the exact same course information that the Master Gardener does. It's called the ProHort, and that's $600. So it has no volunteer obligation. So there's two different options. Both of these can be found on our extension site, the registration. Um, the Master Gardener course is now, uh, they've, they've already closed that. Uh, for the coming year, but if you're interested in the ProHort class, you can certainly apply for that, at, or, or not apply, but register for that at any time. And what if if I were to do that? What uh, I mean, what what does what what coursework? What does? And you said it's the same as the other program. That it's the that, same that, as the Master Gardener curriculum. With yeah. The, yeah. What do I, What do I learn? Oh my gosh. Everything. <laughs> How much time? Oh yeah, we have an extra hour. <laughs> uh, we start with uh, certainly talking about. I mean, there's insects, uh, diseases, herbaceous plants, trees and shrubs, um, integrated pest management, indoor plants. Uh, boy, I guess what uh, I'm wildlife. Asking. <laughs> it, what I'm asking is, is if someone has an interest but has no knowledge or barely okay. uh, in, in gardening but really wants to get into it with both feet, is, would that be advisable? A great, a yeah. great place to start. Okay. Great. It's very comprehensive. It's taught by people like me, like extension educators. Uh, there's a, it's online, so you can do it oh. online. There's a Q&A session for Master Gardeners. That's one of the funnest things to do is, is we get online and, and with the – one of the extension educators like me, and um, and people ask questions just like the show kind yeah, of but, yeah, it is. Um, about the topic of the night. So yeah, it's a it's a amazing program. How do we find out more about it? Just get on the website. You can go yeah, just Google it on our site. Uh, you can go to the extension.umn.edu and click on Master Gardeners. Excellent. All right. Here you is should our do fo- it, Denny. I should do that. You should take the prohort, or if you want to become a volunteer. And then, and then when, awesome. uh, when you or your colleagues can't make the show, I can try to answer. Well, I don't <laughs> yeah, think that's a good idea. Yeah, you no, wouldn't need us anymore. Let's check that. <laughs> 651-461-9226 is our phone number and text number. Speaking of phones, I know we have to break here momentarily, but John is uh, calling in, I believe, from Stillwater this morning. Thank you, John. What is your question for Julie? Good morning. Love your show. Thank you. Thanks. I have uh, some Cotoneaster 
uh, bushes that are about 25 years old, and I have trimmed them annually, but in spite of that, they uh, just have become sort of stringy, and uh, I don't like the way that they look anymore. Can those be uh, trimmed down to the ground? Yeah, they can. You can take them down to about six inches or so and uh, and take that opportunity to, uh, you know, thin out maybe some of the beefier stems that are looking a little woody and kind of knobby. Um, but, yeah, you can do that with ketoniaster, and that should uh, rejuvenate that hedge pretty nicely. Before I learned uh, the pronunciation from uh, you and your colleagues, I always <laughs> thought it was cotton Easter. Well, that's Kind, kind of, of phonetic, isn't it? It is. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for being diplomatic. All right, let's take a break. 845 is our time. Kind of phonetic, isn't it? <laughs> it is. <laughs> Thank you for being diplomatic. All right, let's take a break. 845 is our time, central time. A lot of snow in the Twin Cities. Uh, you may not have received a bunch like some areas. I think we had a text from Forest Lake saying, hey, wait a minute, we got some, about half a foot. Uh, but in Woodbury and some points around there, 20 inches, 18 Whoa. to 20. Isn't that something? Holy cow. Yes. But right now in the Twin Cities, again, we'll see some sunshine if you uh, haven't seen some already. Uh, 22 is our current temp. We're going to be near 30 today and no doubt a little bit of uh, melting. But a listener, Julie, did uh, send a text. It's not about gardening, but it might be a good idea for uh, for those uh, who do have a lot of snow to get out there and uh, get the snow done early before the sun heats it up, makes it twice as heavy and <laughs> yeah. sticky, even for snowblowers. So that's a good tip. Thank you for that. Uh, and be careful if you're doing some shoveling. Right. So let's take this break. Be back with more Smart Garden on News Talk 830. This is WCCO. And good morning. Welcome to this. I say this edition because we have an extra edition <laughs> uh, at 10 o'clock this morning of our Smart Garden Show. Denny Long here with uh, Julie Weisenhorn from the U of M. Yes, if you don't get your question answered this hour, uh, stay with us because in the 10 o'clock hour, Julie will be returning to answer more lawn and garden questions. Special holiday gift <laughs> from Julie <laughs> today. All right, let's uh, let's get this. Uh, well, we got a bunch. Of, whatever Julie text messages we don't uh, field this hour, we'll carry over uh, when good. you return. But here's one of them. It said, "I have uh, my Autumn Joy sedum plants in pots and bring indoors over the winter. Where's the best location for them? Low light area in the basement uh, on the windowsill to get light, or is a garage okay?" Well, I think. Uh Autumn Joy is actually quite hardy here. So if you are, maybe they're just, maybe people are just growing them in, in containers because they like them in containers. That's fine. Um, but they are hardy plants. You can certainly grow them in your garden bed and not bring them in and out. Um, I think, you know, I've, I, I think considering that I would keep them in a sunny window and keep them going. I wouldn't let them get too tall. I kind of keep them, you could keep cutting them back. Um, but yeah, you could certainly grow them in a window. Um, if you put them in your garage because they're in containers, you might just water them every month or so just to keep a little bit of moisture in there. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's a, that's a good question about, uh, about autumn joy. But if you, 
you know, you can actually plant it in in the garden too. So, mm. yeah, it's uh, that's a that's an excellent question. I'll have to experiment with that. <laughs> Do a little more research. Yeah, yeah, it's hard when they're when you have containerized plants like that and they're perennials to keep them, you know, to decide what to do. They actually uh, can survive through the winter outside, but, um, but because they're in containers, they freeze solid, and, uh, and it's harder on the plants. So, yeah, good question. I think I'd keep them going in my basement in a cool location, but sunny. Okay. Might be uh, the best, but. Julie, for those new to the show, uh, for those that uh, you know don't know, well, first of all, you're, you you do some work at the U of M, of course. You're an educator, horticultural educator, but you are also a member of a band called the Abiders. <laughs> the Abiders, and yeah. every so often, today's no exception. They'll say, "When's when when are the Abiders? When and where are the Abiders <laughs> playing next?" So we always like to give that a plug. Yeah, well, we appreciate that. Uh, yes, we have kind of a new format for the Abiders. My, Carl and I, of course, are, are still involved and, and still part of it. But my older brother, Scott D., uh, Dr. Scott D., he's a veterinarian, uh, pig, uh, a, a swine practitioner. Oh. He is our bass player. And uh, and then we also have uh, uh, Dr. John Magley. We have all these doctors in the band now. Um, he is our lead guitar player. We also have, uh, we welcome back Andy Anda, who's our violin uh, player, and uh, my cousin Jeff Linus Bagley, who's on sax and also helps Carl with sound as well. So we've got a little bit of a new lineup. All right. And we are playing our next gig January 15th at Surfside and Mound. So all of you neighbors who are listening, be sure to come on out, uh, check out the new lineup. We just uh, we did have a great time at the Brew Fest, the Tonka Brew Fest, out at Galewoods Farm on November sixth, and the new lineup was playing then too. So yeah, come and see, uh, come and see us, and we'd love to uh, see some of our listeners out there. Yeah, great. they'll be uh, they'll be applauding in between the sets and asking you Lana Garden <laughs> questions in between. Yeah. I'm good with that. I'm sure you are. <laughs> All right, you we'll we'll have a chance to mention that again because I know you'll be with us again. Uh, I think New Year's Day. As a matter of I fact. will be with yeah. you on New Year's Day. Yes, all Julie all the time. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's see. Here it says, hello, we always enjoy your show. Thank you. Uh, we planted a new Japanese lilac tree back in June of this past summer. We kept it watered well through the drought and into the fall. Do you think we should continue to put a few buckets of water on that tree or just let it go through the winter right now? I think you're going to be fine. Um, our, our soil temperatures, I checked uh, this morning, our six-inch uh, soil temperatures are about 34 degrees. So we are slowly uh, getting down co- toward freezing, uh, which means any water would just turn to ice pretty much. So um, I don't think you need to keep watering it. I hope you mulch the roots. That's always a good uh, practice for trees to protect the roots. And uh, but good for you for keeping it watered through the season and into the fall. It's really important, especially with newly planted trees. So that's excellent. On previous shows, listener says you've mentioned fungus gnats. Can oh, I yeah. kill them with? <laughs> it's capitalized. Eight. That I okay. imagine that's the eight, the chemical. Yep. So uh, fungus gnats are. Um, they have larvae that feed on the roots of house plants, and and they. Really, your cultural practices will help uh, solve your fungus gnats issue. If you have them right now, I would recommend that you repot the plant and put in some clean, fresh soil, uh, buy a bag at, at your uh, local retail center, 
and uh, repot those plants. And and before you repot them, if it, if if it's doable, wash the roots of the plant off to make sure that you wash off any eggs, larvae, etc. And then uh, repot it. Then be sure that you're watering carefully. Make sure you have a container that drains, that potting mix will drain well, and that you're not letting those plants sit in water. It's that constant wet soil that fosters the wonderful living habit for fungus gnats. So you want your plant to dry out. You want it to be well-drained and, uh, and put it in. Make sure that it's in a, a good air. You have good airflow around it as well. Okay. It, we also have a great, on our webpage, on our house plants, there's managing insects on indoor plants, and we do talk about other uh, fungus gnat uh, control measures too. Julie, we have a little less than two minutes in this particular segment. A reminder to our listeners who maybe have joined us a little bit late that Julie's going to be returning this morning in the 10 o'clock hour. We're going to continue with an extended version of our uh, Smart Garden Show. Uh, and any questions we did not get to this hour, we'll carry over and we'll uh, we'll open up uh, the show uh, next time, next hour, in the 10 o'clock hour, this, Sounds good. this morning. Maybe as we uh, head to, to the break, uh, we could again mention uh, the uh, the website, U of M website, because you know what I use it for when I wanted to check out trees or shrubs I was interested in? I looked it up there. So yeah, give us yeah. give us again that website. Great. Extension.umn.edu. Uh, yard and Garden, and we also have the Yard and Garden News, which we continue to write year-round about current things that we see going on. There's a great section from uh, Matt Russell, who's our forest, our extension specialist in forest resources, on a little bit of fun trivia about Christmas trees. Hmm. All right. Well, so check that out, extension.umn.edu. And stay with us, because coming up next hour, Andy Lindis will be answering your home improvement questions, and then Julie returns in the 10 o'clock hour for more Smart Garden Talk. So if you did not get your question answered or if you thought of a new one, uh, you can call or text in in the 10 o'clock hour for that extended version of Smart Garden. Julie, take a break in place. As we used to say, (laughs) and we'll uh, we'll check in with you in the ten o'clock hour. Awesome. All right, Julie Wiseman. See you then, Julie Wiseman Arn from the University of Minnesota. Right now, twenty-two degrees in the Twin Cities. We expect sunshine and highs near twenty-nine. Right now, I can tell you the winds are westerly at eight miles an hour. The dew point, let's see, that's nineteen degrees. Humidity at eighty-nine percent. A few clouds. In the Twin Cities, 22. Stay with Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this. Why? A lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. 
Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. I'm Glennon Doyle, author of Untamed and host of the podcast, We Can Do Hard Things. On We Can Do Hard Things, my wife, Abby, my sister, Amanda, and I talk honestly about the hard parts of life. Join us and guests like Michelle Obama, Tracy Ellis Ross, and Brene Brown as we have refreshingly honest conversations. New episodes are out every Tuesday and Thursday. So listen to and follow We Can Do Hard Things, an Odyssey podcast, available now for free on the Odyssey app and everywhere you get your podcasts.